Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody. Still figuring out the soundboard here. It's another edition of the Sports Hole. I'm your host, Luke. With me, as always, we got Maddie Goldberg and XFL Jam. Gentlemen, what's happening? What up, what up, what up? You know, you got to figure out when you do the theme song, how to, like, lower it. So when you're like, what's up, everybody? It's still going in. The I know I was trying to. Do, I, I have I don't really have the proper software for it. That's the I problem. Just maybe so play it the whole show in the background. Just play it on a loop and, I, and then yeah. I'll yell over the theme song. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Hey, guys, welcome to Sports Hall. Welcome, everybody. Yeah. Did you hear about the blah, blah, blah? Five Jim, five. Jim, you're are you OK? No, as same as everyone in this state, none of us are okay. For those at home, Jim, diehard Nebraska Cornhusker supporter. He lives in the state of Nebraska. Scott Frost has declared war on football in Nebraska. What's going on over there? What happened? It's the same story every year. No improvement from 20, what was it, 17, 2018 when he took over? 2017 when he took over, I think. It's like his fourth year this year, I feel. Yeah, it's third and fourth year. Yeah. Yeah. It's no improvement. It's the same every year. It's it's like it's like an abusive relationship. Yes. Yeah. Uh you you see, still seem quite optimistic despite his very poor record leading into this year. You were still optimistic, and now where are you? Man, I was so leading into the year, I was I go through the stage of that every Nebraska fan usually goes through where after the season's done, you're a realist. And then you're just like, okay, maybe we have a really tough schedule. We'll be lucky to make a bowl game. Um, and then eventually the media here, like that's all they cover is Nebraska football all summer, just Nebraska football, Nebraska football. Yeah. And the only thing they say about Nebraska football, so they keep covering it, keep getting inside stories is all positive stuff. So you're led to believe like, Oh, this player is really good. This recruit is awesome. The strength conditioning is doing really well. I was like, okay, that's really good. And then you look back at our recruiting cycles. We're usually one or two in the Big Ten West. We usually, on paper, get the best talent. And then it's like, okay, that's awesome. That's great. And then sometimes you forget, oh, yeah, Scott Foss has had like a bajillion players transfer out under him. But whatever, we've gotten these transfers in who are literally looking good at camp. That's awesome. And then the season approaches, um, like, late july early august comes around it's like okay holy fuck we're, we could be good um we've got great talent um if martinez plays like his freshman year or even better and um the receiver he's yeah, like a 12th year senior by the way right yeah we were trying to figure out fourth how many year years he's been playing i this swear he's fourth year too but he's is so fresh, was he redshirted as a freshman i feel no. like he's never I feel like he's been there forever he's eternal so I mean, it, the Martinez name makes it makes it seem that way too because like we had Taylor back every in like year. 2011. Doesn't it seem like he's gotten like freshman year he was really good and now he's he's like declining every he's year. He's gotten worse every year. He Isn't has, that he has weird? gotten progressively worse every year. So then that's basically what happens. So you're leading up to the season, you're just like, oh, we could win like eight games. We've got the talent. Yeah. Uh, if Scott Frost can actually coach and kind of let go of everything comes together, we were in a lot of close games where we. All of our losses are usually close unless we're playing like Ohio State or someone like that. Like we lose to Wisconsin close. We lose to Iowa close. We lose to Minnesota close. We lose to Northwestern close. Every loss is close. Like you just have to take that next step. And then it's the same thing. We shoot ourselves in the foot 
the second anything happens, like the second that pick six got returned because of penalties, the whole team just falls Humble. apart anytime. Two extra it, points missed. Well, that, that's I don't care about that. That that's fine. Our special teams is dog shit. Yeah, but time. I mean, a high school football. How often are two extra points missed? I mean, this is Big Ten football. Yeah, this, it's, yeah. our kicker's terrible. You could probably grab a lineman to to do a comparable job. We just we, to, we haven't had a kicker. What was it? Fucking like two years ago, we had to grab a kicker off the soccer team because our special teams is just garbage. Well, you could get that girl from Vanderbilt. I'd love that. That's yeah. Right. Uh, also, uh, this week they play Fordham. Uh, as a New Yorker, I, I don't know how you can lose to Fordham. I mean, they're not a sports college by any means. No, they're I not mean, losing to Fordham. They shouldn't lose to Buffalo, but I don't know another Big Ten game that they win. Yeah, that's bad. So are you like, are you declaring this is the final year of Frost? This better be the final year of Frost. I was actually on the train of – I mean – what happened? I mean, if he makes a bowl out of this now, fucking crazy. But so I just don't when he's see in that Central happen. Florida, he he can choose any job he wants. I remember so many schools wanted him, and it was exciting because he was going back to his alma mater. It came down between funny. us and Florida. I remember that. I mean, he could have got Florida, and now he probably can't coach Division Two. He'll he probably. I mean. I've seen all the different memes. It's just like, welcome uh, Nick Saban's newest offensive analyst. Or he could coach this that. that high school I mean, that doesn't exist. He could do that. Like fucking yeah. Will Muschamp did. Like Sarkeesian was at the bottom of the barrel and Nick Saban picked him up. He was Not at the bottom that, of the bottle. Sarkeesian, exactly. Sarkeesian, like when he was in LA the last year, that those USC like uh, press conferences and uh, they had a pep rally where he was just like, Fuck everybody, and he's so hammered. I we mean, just want to live that college life, you know. We got yeah. into the spirit. It's gotten to the point where we're already trying to figure out who we want to hire next after Scott Frost. Oh, I, I want to say this because Luke, because <laughs> Luke is a Michigan guy. I really think too, and I, and Luke disagreed with me, but I I think that the the bad job that Harbaugh done has done has actually helped a lot of the not the local pressure from Scott Frost, but the national. There's not a lot say, of national. I would talk say the it. exact opposite. When you go, okay. I mean, you go back and look at these two coaching hires. Yeah. How people have been caring, comparing Scott Frost and Jim Harbaugh. They're ten years at each school forever. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. They're both like I mean, both a road sure guy thing. coming back trying to restore yeah. the program to national glory. Yeah. But if you look at the job both of them have done, Harbaugh has done a much much better job than Scott Frost. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm a I'm a Michigan realist, so I can go. Jim's probably done. He could have done a little better. Like some, there were some games he should have won. You were you didn't. were one game away from a Big Ten championship and a yes. bad right. and that and has bad haunted call. us ever since. And that was is, there was yeah. a few bad calls in that. Right. Game. I mean, and and I think he's and again, I'll, I'll I'll leave it for this year too. I, I last year was sort of an anomaly, but most years he's winning. You know, he's won ten games three years. He's won yeah. a couple of bowl games. It's not been what we wanted, but it's. You know, with with recent history, you gotta just go. Hey, it's better than Richrod. It's better than Brady Hoke. Maybe this is as good as it is for now. So, what is the uh, what is the one name you're hearing that might coach Nebraska that there? Oh, there are there are none that I know of. Like, okay, some people are trying to like poke out like just people on message boards and in the yeah. fan base are trying to like shoot for the moon for yeah. guys who would never come here, like Lincoln Riley or something. No, no, no. It's not even like that. It's like. Um, it's like people are just like Lane Kiffin. Yeah. 
Bill Belichick. He's not coming to Nebraska. Um, I would love Hugh Freeze. Yeah, he's not a bad coach. Well, he's well, – yeah, and he's sort of lower valued because of his past uh, – Yeah, and he's coaching at Liberty right now. You can right. pay him way more yeah. at Liberty. What's the Coastal oh, yeah. Carolina coach? Because they seem to overachieve, and that guy will uh, probably – Will Healy? Who is – you know, it's not bad. The BYU coach is pretty good too, and that Nebraska. Jamie Chadwell is another. You know, one. now Jamie that Chadwell's I'm someone I've I've popped up, I've like said out there. You know, what's funny is actually Brett Bielema would have been a great fit at Nebraska. Well, the other so, thing about him is he was disgraced. I mean, he had a cush job at Wisconsin. He he leaves the the thinking he's going to get the world at Arkansas. He shits the bed. Then he goes to the the Patriots. That's a fucking disaster. And you're like, yeah, he's gonna go three and eight at Illinois, and then, I mean, I, I it's just embarrassing. You know who I would have liked is the guy who's at the Kansas job now, Lance Leopold. Yeah, I would have liked him. What about Les Miles coming back? No, Redemption no tour? more, no more, no more retreads in my opinion. No more old coaches who we know what they, we know what you're gonna get. What about Tom Osborne? I mean, yeah, people would love it. I don't know. He's, how old is he? Come on, one's like eighty something. He's like just going to be demanding pulling guards. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like it's, the styles is so different compared to what he ran at know, Nebraska. You know what? Just from. fuck it. Get um, get Jeff Munkin. Who was their uh, Who was their line lineman coach? Mil, Mil- Till- Tillman or whatever. They also had a guy. Uh, that guy. Their line coach under Osborne was. Fucking amazing. They also amazing. coached the guy who coached the Raiders, the Callahan. He coached Callahan. here. Nah, yeah, he was off. Again, he like started out. I thought he started out Bill okay, Callahan. And then yeah, yeah, it's Bill Callahan. I think he had two years with Nebraska. Yeah. And then uh fucking who was after Bo Pelini was after him? Like yeah, Bo Pelini was after Callahan. Bo Pelini had some decent years too. Yeah, Bo Pelini never lost more than four games. He also called the AD a, a cunt to the team. One of the I'm okay greatest. With that. uh, that's, all, that's all right. Yeah. Was it a cunt I mean, or a twat? I forget what it was. It was a cunt. It was a cunt. Yeah. But the, 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 issue, the issue with Fellini is every loss would usually be an embarrassing loss. So, like, he'd win all the games you're supposed to win, but any time he would play a team that was comparable to Nebraska or, like, a little bit better, he would get blown out by, like, 40 but you'd be happy to have now, though, because it's it's not I going. I mean, yeah, I'm still not going to say it was wrong to get rid of him, but I'd love to have something comparable now. Yeah, I don't think he's a good coach. I think that's proven based yep. on, like, the only job he's gotten at a FBS school since was D.C. at LSU last year, and they fired him halfway through the season. Yeah. He's terrible. His brother has a warrant for his arrest. Well. <laughs> fucking Carl Pellini's insane. He's a fucking coach. Carl Pellini? Yeah, Carl Pellini's Does he I, have an not, Instagram account? Not. What do you I think wish. he hangs? Do you think Carl Pellini hangs out with Hunter Biden? Maybe. Yeah. All right. That'd be cool. They did. Uh in other football news, yeah. <laughs> we have the Bishop Sycamore scandal. Bishop Sycamore. You know, the yeah, this high school a, powerhouse. I love this story. But yeah, this the is problem is, I don't even know what the story ever. is right now. It's so confusing. Well, what it's we the do. most bizarre thing because it's just like these guys created a fake high school team. 
Well, so here's what we know. They played IMG, which is always like the number one high school in the country. They don't even, you know, they have their own thing. Sure. Um, They also had played a game the Friday. Two days. Two two days before that. We found out their coach was wanted on a felony. Um, As far as the school, they had lied to the... um, to the promotion company that was putting this together and said they had a bunch of d1 prospects on it they didn't have any of those people now there's rumors saying that the the people on their team were actually juco dropouts weren't even high school students here's my question about espn now you would think that like okay so if you're you're talking about the big school the biggest high school powerhouses you would interview the parents you would interview some of the scouts of like who, like you would go to some of the biggest college scouts or recruiters and be like, who are you looking at at this game? You would, you would, you would even interview some of the players, like the quarterback, the best players. You'd, you'd find out what they're doing, what they're studying, what they want to major in college. I just don't understand. I mean, ESPN is throwing this market research company under the bus but how do you not know any research or like how you how did you not do any research on anything this is bizarre we don't i mean we don't even know if this thing is an actual high school and, and then that's when the you best have, part of and it. Then when you have like a a traveling game because I've, I've talked to a bunch of people about this i'm like you would imagine that like let's say you play the best school in florida or texas even if you're going there you would imagine you'd probably have a booster 300 people travel where like wouldn't you expect like parents and a marching band or something or some sort of student body like how did you not figure this out and this is this is on year two well i I think during the broadcast even the announcers were like yeah you know we're we're having a hard time verifying they started to admit their blunder in mid uh broadcast yeah because they didn't like get a full roster from uh, from the fucking high school. Oh boy, this thing I mean, just reeks. Like, I mean, like from what I see with the NFL, and I know it's the NFL, even college. You know, the announcers come a day earlier too, and they get to talk to the, some of the star players and the coaches, and that's part of their preparation. Like I've seen it with Bill Belichick, where like Jim Nance and Phil Sims will talk to him on Friday. And they'll go over stuff and they'll have stuff like we talked to Bill on Friday, said this, blah, blah, blah. And they do it for both teams. Like, I would even assume, like, this didn't happen. Like, you didn't do any pre-interviews with any of the players. You didn't do any kind of, like, let's profile the quarterback or the running back or the star players. I mean, it's 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 insane. It's hilariously insane. Like, these guys are just pretending. And the head coach got, quote, unquote, fired. Right after all this. Well, he was wanted on a felony. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is like I love the Firefest documentaries and, and the, the story is so great that Hulu and, and Netflix, they both had to do their own version. I'm, I like the Hulu on better. I mean, I can't wait till they do a documentary on this. Is This can't happen fast. This enough. is the Firefest of football. This it pretty much is. Is a disaster. It's so this is. Uh, yeah they can't even confirm this the school doesn't even have like an actual physical address 
Yeah, or they, they and it's listed as a recreation center, and then it's also listed as a non-chartered, non-tax supported school. That's what I'm saying. This might not even be a real school at all. It's not. They like, actually they, can't, they can't find be. any record of it in Columbus, Ohio, where they and say that they're they located. When they do a documentary, they will get some of the players, and you'll get some of the their things like, "Did we think we're going to get caught? When did we know this was up? Like that the the scam was done." I'd love to, to tap inside their brains to like feel like what they're thinking about. Like, they're about to play this game and it's not even real. Well, the, it, you know, and they're they're scheduled to face a, a several other like national powerhouses. Yep. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if those schools ducked out. And because well, of course, it doesn't even sound legit. Nothing is oh. legit about this, and it might hurt other schools. So they they just started. They started playing last year, and were uh, they went zero and six. Yeah, and they've been outscored three hundred forty two to forty nine, and since their first game. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of cool. Like where do the where play. do the players come from? Where like who well, are these a, players? That, that's what we need to find out, and need to find out like where they. You know, sometimes they're like, you Boy. know, I, I I went along with it. Like my friend told me, just do this, and I knew it was a dumb idea. I I got to hear these stories. I want to know like what the thought process was for some of these players because they had to know that like eventually time was going to catch up to them and they were going to get, you know, what were the, what were the players even being told? Maybe they think it's some sort of legitimate thing, uh, but they're in junior college. They have, well, that's, but we don't have any confirmation yet. We have no idea what any of these. And and, and even if you were, even if you used to be an in junior college, what is going to make you want to go play for a high school team? Like, Well, the other thing, too, if you're in a high school, you, you they have to cancel all the games, obviously, because if you got hurt against them, yeah, you, what do you do? No, it's liability through the roof. Ex- exactly. And then what do you do? Like, why was no one's, like, antennas poked up when they went and played Friday and then tried to turn around and play Sunday? They might not have known. You know, you just know you don't know your opponent's schedule, I guess. I don't know. No, like how was like ESPN should look up the team's schedules. Well, they're throwing the research company under the bus. That's the problem. Well, it's hard Which to throw a whole no company sense. under the bus when literally five minutes of checking on Google could of course all of this. And you would think they would do their diligent research where they're like, Hey, can we grab this guy, this guy, this guy, and the coach to do a pre-interview and kind of, you know, you would think for high school kids, it's a fun thing to like what they want to be when they grow up, what they want to major in college, like kind of their favorite music. You know, it's kind of like how they deal with Little League. But this was just bizarre. It's one of the craziest stories I've ever seen. This is like, like yeah. I what if it, what if the story was that these were guys who just didn't want to stop playing high school football? I they, think that's what they it were is. graduated, so they found yeah. a way to dupe them <laughs> and create their own magical team that just appears out of nowhere, like Field of Dreams, and then they're just suddenly they're back in high school playing high and school they, ball again. And not only that, they're playing the top teams in the country. And that's the fun of it too. Uh, then they're just going to the bar right afterwards with their legitimate IDs. And uh... I mean, this is a story of like, as far as like bizarro sports stories, nothing I can ever even think about is even like kind of touch this. 
I don't. I mean, Maddie and I were talking about the uh, Islanders fake acquisition yeah. years ago. Yeah, that's the closest thing when the owner had like a hundred thousand dollars. But, but even that is is was way different time and, and yeah. simple. You know, the closest the, thing I can think of is I think it was like three or four years ago. Years these ago. these like th- uh, three or four dudes they created a fake um, profile. For 24 7 and rivals and like all the recruiting platforms and they uh-huh. faked a four-star recruit oh that is fantastic did he get one, recruited that's one yeah he got recruited by a couple schools like he he was oh like, i think i did list. hear this story so what happened how did he get busted uh i think i mean i think when they like when scouts and whatnot asked to like see the guy or they they might have talked with like the school's coach yeah okay <laughs> he's like oh <laughs> we don't have I think in the early 80s, too, the Sports Illustrated, which was a big deal at the time, on April Fool's Day, they came up with a pitcher on the Mets named Sid Finch, who threw 130 miles per hour. Oh, right. And he was yeah. a totally nerdy guy. And they fooled a lot of people. And they're like, this is the this guy's going to change baseball. He throws 130 miles per hour, blah, blah, blah. And it was totally fake. And it was April Fool's joke. But they played it out that it was real. But that's one thing. He, I mean, obviously, Sid Finch never played. It was an actor. I mean, th- these guys actually played. I mean, they play. The funny thing, too, is uh, so Bishop Gorman, I think they're out of Las Vegas, is one of the yeah. top high school programs. And they stole the name. So they just take a name that's really close to one of the top programs, you know, one of these Catholic sounding schools. And just change change a word at the end. And I don't know if Sycamore is is also affiliated with any top high schools, but that would be awesome if it was because this is a, a amazing. And I can't wait till we understand what really the fuck happened here. This is just well, cool. I would imagine a documentary in the next two years, and it's just gonna like I, I'm I'm imagining there's more to the story that we can even imagine, and it will be pretty brilliant. Well, we'll stick with uh, amateur football, which is not really amateur football anymore. So we got college. The full slate is coming this weekend. Yeah. Week, week, week one. one week one. Uh, what do we got for predictions from you guys? Any uh, any? Well, there's a lot champs, of good games. Any uh, right. conference champ surprises? There's a lot of good games this week. I mean, you can't beat Clemson, Georgia on a Saturday night. I mean, yeah. That's I, I UCF mean UCF Boise State. Yeah, UCF Boise, and then even Thursday, Ohio State, Minnesota. I mean, it's not a bad game. Uh, so, I, you know, I was thinking about this today all day, what to say on the podcast, and I'm a little disappointed. That it's like there's not a team that. What's a team that can just come out of nowhere and shock the world? It's you're just like okay, it's either going to be Alabama, Clemson, maybe Oklahoma. I know Jim's really high in Oklahoma to win it all, but like, is there a team that can come out of nowhere and shock the world? The closest would probably be Iowa State. They're returning like everybody, and they were a couple <laughs> plays away from winning the Big Twelve last year, and then it would have been a very interesting conversation of who should yeah. be right. So you think they got uh, a legitimate shot to not only repeat their success, but to do better than they did last year? Iowa State could realistically go undefeated. It's not – I mean, it'd be tough. Oklahoma. It would be extremely tough, but they could do it. I have them losing one game to Oklahoma in the regular season and then avenging yeah. that loss in the Big 12 championship game. And wow. would you say the quarterback for Oklahoma is the Heisman, the, the heads up? I mean, the – I'd say the, he's the favorite – 
for a reason. He looks Spencer yeah. Rattler is fucking amazing. Yeah, he's he's good. gonna be he's really, great. really good. Yeah. But I I mean it's no fun to pick a favorite. I mean, yeah. the, the, the wild thing about Clemson, Alabama is when they lose guys like Mac Jones and and uh, and Trevor Lawrence. That was and a just, third string quarterback two years I ago. I know. And it's just like they replace them with just like, you're like, oh, how are they going to recover? And then the next guy's just as good. It's like Deshaun Watson was great. And then you get Trevor Lawrence. And Mac Jones was a third string quarterback. In yeah. Do you think Alabama takes a hit without Sarkeesian this year? No. I'll say no. I, well, here's what I'll I'll say about Alabama is that up until last year, their program was still beatable because their offense was very bland. If they did not, if they matched up with a team like Clemson, Clemson was pretty good at they could shut them down. You know, uh, but, but then I'll, this hot when they finally upgraded their offense to more of a high octane, uh, more modern. Credit, I'm going to credit Mac Jones and the wide receivers and, and the, the players because Sarkeesian was there before and he was so so with Jalen Hurts. But with those guys, your job becomes easy and then you get the, the coaching job in Texas. I mean, Lane Kiffin looked like a total genius and I like Lane Kiffin. But I see that's who I credit for Alabama's more like their jump to the new offensive styles. I think Lane Kiffin is what pushed that. Yeah. Okay, but I just think they they've have always so had great offense. They've always had great offensive talent, yeah. though. They've always had great receivers, uh-huh. even when their quarterbacks would never make it to the NFL or at least well, that was the have thing, a career. Sarkeesian kind of filled in for a little while. I think he he filled in the, the year they lost to Clemson with against Deshaun Watson. And in the, the second half, they they really they should have just controlled the ball. If they just ran the ball, they probably would have won. And he just kept passing, and Hurts didn't have a good game. And I was like, "This a lot on Sarkeesian," but with with the way they ran last year, like I could have been the offensive coordinator, and they could have done what they did. I mean, there there's there's just so much firepower. I mean, a running back in the first round, a quarterback that's going to start in the first round. And then two wide receivers, one guy won the Heisman, and then a guy who got hurt that people say is better than the Heisman winner. I mean, how can you not lose? So you're you're saying it's a combination of you're saying the offense will be as good because you think just the philosophy is different. The recruiting is so because well, the recruiting or you, you can't yeah. even you know that's just yeah. a given. I don't think it'll be as good as last year because I don't think there's any way it really can be. Last year no. was one of the it's like one of the best offenses of all time. And if you look at it again, it's like, okay, you got a running back in the first round. You got a quarterback in the first round. You got two wide receivers that I think are in the top 15 picks. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, so we'll see. Everybody's getting tired of Alabama, but then they just improved when you thought like Dabo was just going to start taking over and winning all these things. Then, then they fucking improved. So it's shitty. But, yeah. Oh, well. If you're uh, in Bama, if you're in Alabama, I was very impressed by UCLA, even though Hawaii was a tomato can. And I I'd said like UCLA, see, but all I'd my like boys are better. saying uh, LS, uh, UCLA money line, by the way. Oh, oh yeah. Jim. No, I'd like to see a little bit more passing from DTR. He could have done better in the passing. Yeah, category, he didn't but pass I think well. he improved with that. He, he didn't pass the ball well, but the running game was great. I felt bad for Luke because Chardonnay who I felt had his good moments on Michigan and his bad moments. 
looked awesome. But again, you know, Hawaii, it's well, he looked all, he looked awesome for Michigan when he had gaping holes. Like he, yeah. he opened last season with like a 70 yard run against Minnesota. That's when Michigan thought they had returned to the promised yeah. land. But once the next, he couldn't even, he didn't even start, you know, by the end, he was like second or third string. So I don't know. I mean, we'll see Good luck to him. I, I loved watching him, but yeah, he, uh, he was just, he couldn't crack the rotation as much. And, and Jim also has a weird philosophy too. That doesn't help a lot of running backs. Um, I mean, he he'll rotate six fucking backs in and out of game. It's pretty, I know. yeah, he will. It's he kind of like aggravating. <laughs> he had six carries for like a hundred yards. Yeah. Well, that's still a good average, <laughs> but it was a hundred degrees that day. Yeah. Okay. It's good to have football back. Like Thursday. I'm so happy. Like, and even, even though so my team got football. fucking embarrassed on national TV for everyone to see, I'm still so happy college football is back. Maddie, why don't you take us through some of the picks you were uh, high on? coming in for uh, uh, well, some of the keyer games going on this uh, weekend. Okay. Well, these are, these are really tough games to handicap. I do like Ohio state over Minnesota. I think Minnesota had their best season two years ago and they've kind of come back to where they were. And, and again, the, the big programs always, you know, they, they don't drop. They always recruit so well. I think Ohio state wins big. And I like Clemson over Georgia. I just somehow something about Georgia. They just, I just feel like they can never win the big game or so I like that. And I kind of like Virginia tech over North Carolina. I like that one too. Virginia tech's at home, North Carolina, everybody likes because, you know, they got the coach won the national Mac Brown and the quarterback's a lot of fun, but I, I feel like they're, they're due for a letdown and, and last year they let me down in a couple games that I thought they'd win easily and they shit the bed and North Carolina will be a good team but they will shit the bed from time to time and uh, I like Virginia Tech to sneak and win that game at home so those three games I'm kind of looking at all right any uh, any locks from you guys any any must picks this week? I, mean, I hate Ohio State but I'm going to say Ohio State minus 14th Okay. I mean, Tennessee is playing Bowling Green, so take Tennessee by anything. Okay. Bowling Green's right. the worst team in the country. <laughs> last last bit of college news, uh, the yeah. Ohio State Buckeyes quarterback, Quinn Ewers, who uh, for, for went his uh, last season of high school to jump right into college, is looking smarter every day because he's already had uh, promotional deals and now he just signed a big uh, NIL deal for $1.4 million. This is a guy who's not thrown one pass even in college. Love it. And might not this year either. So uh, Pretty insane. Yeah. It the, must be uh, so weird to roll around campus. Right? I mean, like you're going to be rolling around campus in a, in a Bentley. And you haven't thrown one fucking pass. Yeah. <laughs> This is a, it's the dawn of the new era taking place. Okay, NFL, big news, big quarterback cut from his job. Of course, I'm talking about Ben DiNucci cut from the Cowboys yeah. today. I hate to see it. I like, I feel bad for Ben. The Nooch. This is an I mean, anti-Italian he, thing. He He's a hard knocks star. Do we feel Danny the league Clemson. is anti-Italian? I don't feel there's a lot of Italian names well, in the NFL. Cuomo, Cuomo and now the Nooch. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you this, man. 
hard, hard knock stars are always hard to come by. So you always root for the hard knock star. He might not be the greatest quarterback, but he's a he's a hell of a character on hard knocks. And we've seen a lot of those. And there was the guy, uh, I think his name was Charles Ware on the Houston Texans who had the oh, uh, yeah. the SpongeBob socks. He was really enjoyable. And you really get into their careers. And then, like, every year I check how Charles Ware is doing. And every year he seems to get cut on the last day, oh. you know, right around now. And it's... Hard same point. old, same old, but he, he was a fun guy. So the nooch will be missed. All right. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm shocked good news for Jim Gilbert. because guess what? He's probably coming to a CFL or XFL team. I know XFL. I love him on an XFL team. Is it yeah. as Will Greer got cut by the Panthers to make room for PJ Walker? Wow. So wow. Will Greer was a, a highly touted college football star. I think he left Florida and then he had a pretty decent career at West Virginia. And everybody was pretty high on him, and he's looking for a job. And we got an XFL guy now. Yeah, that's uh, Jim. How do you feel about these things? You because you must be happy for these guys getting getting some roles, but then they're just usually going to be second or third string, so you're not really going to even get to see him play. Well, I like so it's obviously I'm super happy for the guys because they're getting huge paychecks out of it, and I think. I'm taking it mostly positive. Yeah, I love it. It makes it awesome for when, like, P.J. Walker gets into a game or when Taylor Heineke gets into a game. I go ape shit, and I fucking love it. But I think even if they don't, this is a good selling point for the XFL. It's like, hey, yep. where would P.J. Walker Ooh. be if he didn't of fall course. out in Roughnecks? He probably oh, wouldn't. He might be on you, uh, did you, Jim, did you hear this XFL news? Which one? They, a new team has been announced. Uh -oh. They're from Ohio. They're called Bishop Sycamore. Ah. I knew that was going. I knew I that was coming. You know what? I would, if, if they did that, like unironically, I would love that. By the way, I do think PJ Walker has the best chance to play because Sam Darnold's always hurt. There's no guarantee he's going to be any good. So, PJ Walker, be ready. Well, you see, like, you see these players like PJ Walker, you see these players like Donald Parham. Um, I think the Panthers have a defensive guy too that was in the XFL. Um, you see, I, I love it as an advertisement for like, hey, even if you don't make like the starting team, you'll get it gets you eyeballs. You look great. You'll get a shot. It gives you another shot at the NFL, which is what these guys all really want. They yeah. want to go to the NFL. Sure, of course. And then even if you don't make the NFL, guess what? You have the fallback of the XFL because the the way the XFL was going to do it is it was going to let players try and join NFL teams, try and get on rosters and whatnot, but you would still be able, if you didn't make it, you, your roster on the XFL team would still be there for you. Well, that's what it's kind of like. It's like when the World Football League was around, like I think Kurt Warner still was on a practice squad team on the NFL, but it's like we'll send you to Europe to get work in. So you're still on an NFL team, but you're getting you're being developed in Europe. And I think that would be great if the XFL could get some of these guys that make second string and then are able to play and get reps in the XFL. And and we'll see a guy like – I believe in P.J. Walker. I mean, there will be another Kurt Warner. There will be. For I sure. mean, like – that's. I mean, Josh Johnson was a journeyman forever, and then he got another NFL job based off of yep. how good he looked at the XFL. And he always wins. One thing about Josh Johnson, he always wins. All right, so the other quarterback making news for being cut is Cameron Newton. Cam yeah. Newton. Is this is that short for Cameron? Is he a Cameron? I, I think don't even it know. might be. Yeah. 
<laughs> Cam uh, Newton yeah. not only not only got beat out by Mac Jones, they straight fucking cut him. What do you what do wow. you make of that? Why would you just straight cut the guys? Just well, I think they want to do him a favor. An I, think I actually I heard some some sources were saying like because he basically refused to get the vaccine, uh-huh. that was a potential reason why. Okay, because it, Bill doesn't like distractions. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. I understand that. Well, I also yeah. think it's also doing him a favor. So it's like, hey, look. We're going to go with Mac Jones. And it's a situation where we can't bench him because we don't want to kill his confidence. So we're not going to play him for three weeks and then go, okay, we got to go to camp. We're going to like live or die with him. So if you can find somewhere else to go to, we're going to give you a chance to get out of here because I know you don't want, you know, you're a starter. You have a lot of pride. So if you can find somewhere that maybe you can compete for like, I mean, Houston, is potentially a place he could still possibly start. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think that's what their philosophy was with him. I mean, it could be about the distraction, but I also think they're giving him an opportunity to find a better place. Even Dallas. Like, I don't believe – I don't think Dak Prescott's going to be ready. So you're going to go with Cooper Rush? Bishop Sycamore looking for a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's weird. It's got to be a shitty feeling for Cam, who is in the best shape of his life. So he said. I mean, look, I, I hate thing. that. I, I hate that hyperbole. The, the thing here. about Cam, and this was the hard part about the way he played, and I and I think he had a really he had a very solid career. When he was running, the difference between like him and Lamar Jackson or even Russell Wilson is he was essentially a, like, if Lamar Jackson's a tailback, Cam was a fullback. Oh, yeah. So, so the year oh, he won huge. the MVP, every third and two, he was running in the line like a, like a fullback to get two yards. And I'm like, this is not going to, this is going to take a lot out of his body. Yeah. And when you see him throw, it just seems like his body is so weak and sore from the hits he's taken. It just doesn't seem like he's got much of an arm left. Sure. Well, and we'll see about Mac. I, I, I like, I mean, obviously Max look good. You can't really go by preseason, but I don't think Bill Belichick fucks around. So I think if he's like, this kid can handle week one rookie, throw you into the fire. Yeah. Let's fucking go. People have been saying he's like the most, he's not the best quarterback rookie, but he's the most NFL ready. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot like maybe uh, Trey Lance has the most upside, but definitely the least ready of the five. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Cam. I think he'll probably. Somebody will get hurt and he'll uh, latch on to somebody by week four or five. But I think is I mean it's his ego's got to be like totally destroyed. I don't think I don't think you can destroy Cam's ego. I think he's like (laughs) he's got an ego just planted around. Definitely, and and, and don't ever feel sorry for the guys too because I remember he got eleven million dollars in the summertime to sign a one year deal. And like, hey, he got eleven million dollars to play four preseason games from the Patriots. Well, I mean, it, was it all guaranteed? Because I think so. Okay, I would imagine he's there probably wasn't... at some cafe dressed like a 
like a 70 year old widow. Yeah. With his I mean, I, I think he's got some life left in him. And I think he might have one good, like retro year left in him, but it, it might be a thing where maybe this year he, he, he might need like a full year of not getting hit to get it. Well, he back. might, he might need to, it might need to be a situation where you, you, you like a team just needs a quarterback. And I don't know if the yeah. Patriots were supposed to be that where they, they have everything else. It, life is going to be a lot easier than going to a different team. This should be easy for you. We're going to put you in a position to win because it feels like putting in a rookie quarterback is that situation. Like, well, they're on, on made the... to win. I mean, you know, they, they got, they, they signed some players. Matt Judon is a total beast on defense. They got a couple tight ends. They signed, they got a couple wide receivers who are not great, but adequate that they have. So, with Belichick, you know, they, they seem above average. And they, even as bad as Cam Newton was last year, they went seven and nine. So you're like, as bad as they were last year to go seven and nine, you know, now they, they, they're, they're much better. You know, Hightower came back. I see that. I can see him going nine or seven, 10 and six. Sure. Even with Mac Jones, they'll be growing pains though. There definitely will be. Well, Jim, Jim talked about his, uh, you know, his theory was that the Cam Newton's lack of lack of a vaccination was a factor yeah. into it. So sure. on the Jaguars, uh, Urban Meyer said that vaccination status has played a role in some of the cuts he made. Yeah. And immediately the NFLPA launched an investigation because you're not supposed to have that as a contributing factor to cuts. And it might even be a labor issue too. You could even yep. you could even take it up with the state as well because it's all yeah. sort of a gray area right now. Um, yeah, just something interesting. I don't know what more I, there is I, to say I'm on it. But say, to... I could be wrong, but I'm going to say with the Patriots that I think they were sold on Mac Jones being the starter and COVID, no COVID, they would have probably let Cam Newton go. I'm thinking. I could be wrong. I mean, yeah. it's hard to say because if there's no COVID, we don't know how Cam plays last year. That is true, too. That is true, too, baby. Okay, uh, moving on to basketball, offseason news. Ben Simmons is demanding a trade now. He's done. It was thought that he was probably going to be traded anyways. It's never good, though, when your player comes out demanding to be traded because that sort of lowers uh, Philadelphia's leverage in this if they had any to begin with uh, Jim, what do you think? Is Ben Simmons just done? Where would he go? What do they expect for him? Well, there's gotta be NBA coaches out there. Just like I can reform him. I just got to fix that mental block in his head. He's probably done in Philadelphia. And if I'm a Sixers fan, I'm just like, okay, see ya. I, sure. I mean, like you're good on defense. That's awesome. But we yeah. want someone, it's a game of who can make the ball go in the hoop and you don't even try. I, I'm just completely dumbfounded by this demand because usually it would be a guy coming off a career season of some sort or had, had a great playoff. lower, I think. He had the worst playoffs I've ever seen a star player ever have. So, like, what is your leverage? Like, what teams are going to be lining up? And, like, what is the th – you're, you're threatening a team that you let down that you want to out? It's it's bizarre. I don't know what leverage he has, and and I got news for you: nobody can fix the guy. Only he can fix himself. I don't know if he wants to. 
and putting a and putting a video on Instagram or or Twitter, whatever he does of him like in the gym against some like guy practicing and hitting like a seven foot shot bragging about it. That ain't a fucking game. Oh boy. Yeah. It's, it's really a shame. The guy is just such a terrific talent. Great passer, great defender cannot he throw is, the ball in the, he, I'll, I'll say it every time. He is the best basketball player who doesn't know who can't play basketball. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> He's so good at everything except the point of the game is to shoot the ball into the hoop. Oh boy. Yeah. And, it, and the most, yeah, very few, like the like always a defensive specialist. You don't want a defensive specialist. You want a guy that can light the scoreboard well, up you like could, Trey Young. You could have that if you weren't paying him thirty million a year. Like if he was just going to go be a workman guard on the Lakers, sure. like a Rondo or something. Yeah. Like I can't really light it up, but I can pass and I can do this. It yeah. sounds great, but the fact he's still locked into this thirty million dollar a year contract is atrocious. And, and I don't he want, know. yeah, he's getting Trey Young money. And he's playing, and like he, he's you got like Vince like, Young, exactly. <laughs> perfect, perfect person to compare him to. Okay, so we had the Mets in baseball news. Yeah. The Mets players were actually booing the fans. Yeah, this is the wildest story I've ever case heard. Of the old switcheroo, not, here. Maddie. Not, what not happened as, here? Not as wild as the high school story, but so the Mets got Francisco Lindor at the beginning of the year. He was a big superstar in the Indians, second baseman, shortstop, great player. And, you know, he comes to the Mets and a lot of times guys come to New York or Boston, Philly, they just, they struggle. They struggle with the media. They, they, they feel they're putting too much pressure on themselves and they underachieve. So then they help him out. They bring in his buddy, Javi Baez from the Cubs, who's basically on a contract year. So, He's probably a rental for the rest of the season. And they kind of brought him in to help Lindor and be there for him and whatnot. And since Baez has gotten there, the whole team has just fallen apart and they just can't hit and they keep losing. And the fans are restless because it's New York and the fans have been booing, which they have every right to. And so the Mets have taken upon themselves, the players, to boo the fans. So they keep putting thumbs down all the time. And so this has been a repeated thing going on. Yeah. So this has gone on and the, the president of the Mets is like, this is unacceptable. Our players are not going to do this. And I, and rightfully so, because the fans pay good money to go. They pay for the player's salary without crossing the line. They have every right to boo. They have every right to cheer. A lot of players you'll hear when they get booed, they go, yeah, I heard the boos. They have a right to. I stunk tonight. I mean, how many times have you heard a player do that? Mm-hmm. So Javi Baez has just taken it upon himself to, like, just boo the players. I mean, boo the fans. So anytime they do something, they, they put thumbs down to, like, stick it to the fans. And it's like a war between the players and the fans. And it's just, it's hot. I love it. I love it. I love the players clapping back at the fans. I want to see more of it where, like, they do good. They're just like, no, fuck you guys. We're doing it for all. How could they they escalate this? How could the players escalate this? I mean, they could fight in the stands. 
You think you know, they should I, just go pick a person to go fight in the stands, like their own home team fans to fight? So I've thought this forever. Like, I've thought this ever since. So during the NBA playoffs, like how Russell Wilson, yeah, uh, Russell uh, Westbrook, we get, like, yeah. super mad at, play, at like, yeah. fans in the stands, like, yelling stuff at him. Like, he yeah. would get real mad. I think you should be able to, like, have the team select just, like, hey, um, just pick a player, run up in the stands for, like, Five minutes. You get five right. minutes. Call, the call difference this. is though with Russell Westbrook, he always has problems with the opposing fans. These are the these are the, the Mets either fans. way. Either way, give give the Mets like five minutes. Give one player on the Mets five minutes. What do you like? Is there objects you could throw back into the stands? Maybe like batteries. Take a, like take like a soda and then just like smack it with your bat. The, the, the interesting yeah. thing about it is usually the media has one side like they'll they'll pick a side on this and they'll just you'll see 10 articles either siding with the fans or the players this is bizarre because i've read about six or seven articles and it's divided the media is very divided on you know where they stand with this i stand with the fans because you pay money you buy the beer you buy the hot dogs if you want to boo without saying anything derogatory without cursing, without threatening any of the players. You have the right to boo. You have the right to cheer. It's on the, it's on the fans. It's, it's their God-given right. And as players making that money, you, you sign the contract, you're making the big money, you got to handle that shit. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm not talking about, like, throwing shit at players like we saw in the NBA. That's garbage. I don't like that shit. But if a guy, if somebody in the crowd wants to boo, they can boo. If you saw today when Javi Baez pinch hit, I mean, it was, it was nasty booing. I don't know. I, I, I do want the players to keep retaliating. And uh, I want this to get out of control where they have to actually get a truce at some point because it's gotten well, it's, so it's out of getting hand. That, it's getting that nutty out there. It really is. You know whose fans would never boo? Who's that? Bishop Sycamore's. Yeah, it's true. They would never, never. never. There, are, there are best fans, fans in high school. Never sports. boo. Best yeah. fans, just polite as can be. Best booster club too. Yep, that's great. Tennis news because we are a, a huge tennis uh, podcast over here. Yeah. Um, what's this story, Maddie? With uh, Andy Murray's pissed at his uh, Greek opponent. Well, for, I, I was uh, just gonna throw this to both of you guys because you know uh, it, we're right at the cusp of the NFL and college, so we can get a few sports stories in before that the, it just the becomes onslaught. football. Yeah. So the U.S. Open started yesterday, and you know I I'll watch a little U.S. Open, and I, I enjoy Andy Murray. He's a he's a British tennis player. He he was probably his heyday was like six seven years ago, and he's older. And he was playing against this dude. I can't pronounce his name. He's Greek. And the guy, it was a grueling five-set match, which is very, in the U.S. Open, when it's 90 degrees in New York City, it really comes down to your conditioning. And the guy kept taking a lot of breaks. And you're allowed a certain amount of breaks for certain things. But according to Andy Murray, he felt like he was taking advantage of the break rule to, to, to get advantage. And one of the break rules was, I guess, going to the bathroom. Occasionally these tennis players do get diarrhea. Pete Sampras always known for uh, 
taking bathroom breaks and Andy Murray felt like uh, this guy was shitting too long or he was faking it. And he felt like it changed the match. I mean, he's British. He should have got all cockney on him. The Bishop Sycamore of shits. Yeah. Oi, mate, get well, your ass off the toilet and come back here and let's play this match out, mate. I got so, birds yeah. sitting in the audience. I want to fuck her when we're done. Yeah. Get your shitty Greek bum out here, mate. Let's play some goddamn tennis. So now the question here is like, the, the guy claims he did nothing wrong. And I'm just curious what you guys think. Was this, did this guy break the rules? Did he, was it, was his, I mean, I know we, I don't have all the specifics. I can't tell you exactly how long the breaks were, but do you feel like this guy bent the rules in a sense? Uh, I feel like maybe he just had to take a bunch of shits. Like, you, you can't control that. Yeah. Well, whatever he did, it worked because he did beat Andy Murray in this thing. Yeah. And and by the way, this guy's like number three in the, yeah. this tournament or the world. Yep. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And Andy yeah. Murray's Andy Murray's like on a comeback. He's not even ranked. Yeah. And that's the so. hard part because if you're the way that tennis does it, which is stupid. So they seed, I think, the top 32. And if you're 33 in the world, you're not seated and you can still play the number one player. So, like, if you're number three in the world, you can either play the first round a guy that's, like, ranked 250 or a guy who's ranked 33 who's got a, a great resume like Andy Murray. Andy Murray, I think, has won a couple grand slams. So he's playing a really good player in Andy Murray, like a wildly veteran. And I've never really seen a tennis player complain about this before. Well, this sounds like a veteran move, the old – toilet diversion well it was the well, guy it was the younger guy who did it yeah that's what i'm saying it's like uh he he out vetted the veteran i think yeah. so and he got away with it all right so that's that that's all for tennis that's uh oh, where the fuck did my that's your your u.s open update <laughs> all right guys let's do this no not this one oops <laughs> <laughs> you got it you got it it's like a dueling camp it's a dueling camp i'm box. the shittiest producer of all time it's like a dueling i just play box. things i don't know where they're coming from i don't know how to control the volume i don't know when they stop i just press yeah. play and hope things work out and yes it is time for dark side of the ring a story that's a, just a little bit sadder than nebraska's football season so far it is just a little bit. We're talking Chris Benoit, Dark Side of the Ring. This is like the darkest side of the ring, and this is why I've been I feel putting like this you one still, off. Forever. You still kind of like twinge whenever, like whenever you see or hear his name, you're just kind of like, Ugh. yeah. I mean, Benoit is practically a verb now. Like if you if I said I was going to Benoit you, you would kind of make an assumption as to what I was talking about. Right? Yeah, it's like, like OJ Simpson. That's how bad it is. It's yeah terrible this, this one was very hard to do because you know they they wanted to not completely paint chris benoit into this like evil monster they were kind of being like he was a decent guy that he just snapped that snapped through concussions yeah. pressure 
drugs, everything. Yeah, his, I mean, his brain looked like Swiss cheese when they examined it. It was fucked uh, up. Yeah. Um, so the I'm this is kind of cool we put this up because it does tie into a few other dark sides that we've done. Uh, most notably, Chris Benoit's biggest influence was the Dynamite Kid. Yeah, yep. the Dynamite Kid's big move was jumping off the top rope and doing a flying headbutt that he had that the Dynamite Kid had learned from Harley Race, and then Harley Race years later would tell everyone to never do this move because it fucked up his head, it fucked up his spine, and like you will not have you will not have any um, adult years left when you're done yeah. with this. So I mean, like the dynamite kid, he was a perfectionist in the ring. Uh, later on, he becomes best friends with Eddie Guerrero, mm-hmm. um, which was really, really cool. Eddie Guerrero was awesome. And Chris, this was one of my favorite parts of the story is Chris met his wife, Nancy, when Kevin Sullivan, the wrestler and booker at WCW started an angle where Chris steals his wife. This Nancy was Kevin's wife originally. So Kevin created this angle where Chris steals Nancy from him on screen, and then it just translated to off screen. And so Kevin <laughs> Sullivan was cucked by Chris Benoit, which is not the worst thing you could have done to you by Chris Benoit. You but, know, the, the most telling thing in this one to me was when Eddie Guerrero died and they showed the interview of Chris Benoit just crying hysterically. The problem with wrestling at this time, and I hope it's cleaned up a little now, when you see a guy like Chris Benoit crying like that, you have to pull him off the tour. tour. You got to pull him off the circuit, and you got to get him help. That's not a stable person right there. And I think Eddie Guerrero was kind of his rock where he always knew he had an ally in this tough, awful business. And when Eddie was gone, it was it was like he was gone. Absolutely. Eddie kind of yeah. kept mm-hmm. it together. And you just assume these guys are big and strong and they they they're tough guys, but there's you know, we're all sensitive and we all have feelings, we all have problems that we can't deal with. And when Guerrero died, you could just feel like it just it opened the shit floodgates of Benoit's brain. Yeah, they were uh, they were thick as thieves. They left WCW and went to WWE together. Um, they both became champs on the same night. Uh, mm. I think at WrestleMania twenty, um, and then shortly thereafter, uh, Eddie died of uh, heart failure mm. uh, at just thirty eight. So Ugh. clearly. You know, he was everybody was on all these substances and, and living a lifestyle that was just too hard. So Chris is unraveling. And um, then basically Chris uh, ended up passing away. Uh, well, killing everyone and dying yeah. uh, on the uh, a pay-per-view day, essentially. So they mm-hmm. did it without him the next night. They did a tribute, not understanding what had happened. I know. And oh god, it, yeah, I remember yeah. it was just the it was, oh that's it was the cringiest thing ever. Like cringing like the like just like uh just it made me tense up. Yeah, yeah, so just imagine if if you didn't like 
if OJ had died during his thing and they were doing tributes to OJ only later to find out, yeah, well, he was kind of responsible for all of it. But they, it was weird how slow they got answers to it when it was clear that Benoit had committed suicide in a just a vile manner, by the way. Mm. He, he took cables uh, and wrapped them around his neck uh, and it was a weight machine with cables and then just oh. loaded up the plates and let him go. So it snapped it. He broke his own neck, essentially. Uh, but that was after killing his uh, wife and kid as well. So And then being dead for like 24 hours while he was alive. Yeah. So then he was just Freaky. he had killed his family and then was basically hanging out at his house doing God knows what, like Jeez. searching. I mean... Just clearly, and the thing is why everybody gives him sort of a, well, they don't give him a pass, but they're, this is like basically the worst thing. I mean, of course, it could be the worst thing, we do, but the only thing that kind of, there were really, there were really a lot of signs before this. He was a really good guy, a hard worker, good guy, yeah. and then uh, seemed to be a sort of a gentle giant too, and yeah, so this was that's why this was so shocking to everybody because he didn't, you know, there's other guys, you know, that do things and you go, oh, yeah, I could see that coming, but they just could mm -hmm. not see that with with Chris at all. And um, yeah, the and then of course uh, Vince's McMahon then goes out and does more pressers and keeps trying to shift the blame to Chris Benoit as opposed as opposed Vince to Vince never knows how to handle these things. <laughs> no, he, he does not. Worth. He, he is the absolute worst. Like, it goes back to Pillman and the fucking having his wife on TV and then talking about drugs and yeah, having a, your, your, your dead, you know, your, your widowed wife on TV the next night. I mean, Vince is just clueless on this stuff. Yeah, it, it was bad. I mean, basically, it's like running a what Vince McMahon does is run a crack house and then just kind of goes, well, I don't know what the tenants are doing. And, you know, as long as they're paying their rent or whatever, he's okay with it. And well, that's he, the other thing too, is when, like I mentioned with Benoit needing help, when you see him crying over the Eddie Guerrero death, like when people say, if you work at like an office, you work in like Apple or something, if somebody dies, in your department, like what a good company will do is have therapy. People can take days off. People can take time off group therapy, all types of things to cope. I think sure. with wrestling, the show goes on. Mm -hmm. So, so with Ben Watt, the show just went on and you work so hard that you, you, you take one step back. There's, there's 10 young guys that are, willing to take your job and that's the deepest fear these guys have is if i take time off i'm done right ne sort of next man up let's next see man up yeah we can and, plug in there and there's no time for uh you know ben was really hurting from the death of eddie guerrero uh let's give him like a few months off and put him in like deep therapy and try to get him all the help he can get to cope with this it's like okay eddie guerrero died uh where we uh oh we're in salt lake city and then we're in vegas okay and then we go to arizona that's how it goes oh, yeah it, it, it's funny too how just 
a few, you know, some empathetic gestures by Vince probably could have gone a long way with not only Benoit, but a lot of other wrestlers. Of when course, he, yeah. He knows these people are struggling with substance abuse because they're constantly working through injuries. They're, you know, of on all these pills. And then, the, you know, also when you're injured, then you've got to work out to maintain this, this abnormally large muscle frame that you shouldn't yeah. have in the first place if he just showed a little bit of empathy and it would actually probably benefit him fiscally too, because he'd have a lot more stars around. They wouldn't yeah. all be dead. Well, I also so. think, and, and this is a weird double-edged sort of wrestling. The reason why we don't see any stars anymore. One, I think a lot of guys don't know how to talk on the mic is a big problem, but the other problem is, how can I put this in a, compassionate way i just think that like when he cut out a lot of the brutality of wrestling people kind of tuned out because they're like it just seems too safe and scripted that in the year of 2021 you can't go from the extreme era and ecw to now where there's no chair shots there's no this there's no tables there's no that and there's no cursing just like the whole package that they they kind of had to water down wrestling and clean it up, and I think that's what hurt the, has hurt the ratings. And I maybe I sound like a vulture or something, but no, that's I mean, if you build your company off of something that isn't really sustainable, how do mm -hmm. you sustain it at that point? That is what, true, what and, that, and that's differently. And that's what they never figured out was okay, like we needed to do the attitude era to beat WCW because we were desperate. And, but a lot of our wrestlers died very young at that time because it was so, it was so brutal. It was so violent. It was, these guys basically do what like they do to survive. Yeah. One of the things I found interesting was, it, uh, um, Chris, uh, Chris Jericho was interviewed quite a bit during yeah. it. And he, mm. uh, he talked about like, not only he's like, if Benoit, he's like that incident almost brought down all of wrestling. It was so brutal. It was yeah. so um, over the visceral. top. Yeah. So visceral, something you could actually see that the it, wrestling was almost done. And he said that Benoit loved wrestling so much that if he had known he would like, apart from killing his family, the idea that like you were going to bring down wrestling, he loved wrestling that much too. He'd be fucking devastated from that too. So everything this guy did went against everything his life showed, you know, he loved it, wrestling. It, it, he would never hurt it, wrestling, loved his family. He would never yeah. hurt his family. I mean, it is weird because before Benoit did this and now, and no way am I making him out to be a decent guy. I mean, you just can't, but he was so respected before any of this happened i mean he was seen as the yeah. ultimate professional absolutely he was like whatever your favorite nfl lunchbox guy is that's who this guy was i mean yeah he, he wasn't like a great like he really wasn't a great mic guy either, no he wasn't a but great he mic just guy. had this intensity about him that yeah. just told his story without him having to have great uh no. skills on the mic exactly and, and he was just a great worker overall. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. 
Any any final thoughts on this, guys? This was a, this I was just a rough think, one. Yeah, it's a, it was one where, like I said, like the Grizzly Adams one where I could only watch it once. Yeah. I mean, I did get a lot out of it, and it hit me hard, and it was very emotional and sad and scary and fucked up. I could only watch it one time, but it was very well done. And it's, I just felt they did it a, a good job where, yes, they said, Benoit, yeah, you're, you, you fucked up and this is hor- horrific what you did. But you could see why this happened. There was a reason. There was a trail. There was breadcrumbs. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's funny because it was sort of like, all these all these signs with all these wrestlers dying early previous to this was just mm-hmm. a real build up to what this what yeah. happened in the Benoit case and you know I, I don't know i don't know what what policies Vince has changed i don't know if well, he's, yeah, he, he changed things cuz he cares or just bi- change things just for business it's probably just business i feel like Vince McMahon really doesn't care yeah he's about anything but his money Quite a pragmatist, for sure. All right, guys, we're uh, we're hitting the end here. Any uh, any other anything we left out? We had a pretty jam packed show here. Anything we missed? Not really. Just uh, give us a good review and uh, give us five stars and uh, enjoy your football Thursday, Saturday, and then the Bucks and the and the and the the Cowboys in like nine days. Yeah. We'll be on before that. Take Jim, the where- bucks. Seven and a half already. Lock. Jim, where can they find you? You can find me everywhere. Twitter, of course, all the time at XFL Jim. Instagram at XFL Jim. YouTube XFL Jim. While you're listening to this, I actually just dropped a new video on YouTube. My top 10 things I wish were happening in the XFL right now. All right, Maddie. Um, at Maddie Goldberg one on Twitter, Maddie Goldberg and IG, the Sports Hall Pod on Twitter and IG, and uh, I have not decided what to do. I'm thinking of doing a survival pool under the name of this, like the Sports Hall Survival Pool. If people hit me up and I get enough people interested, we'll do like a ten twenty dollar weekly NFL survival pool. All right. Sounds good. So DM me. All right. I'm Luke. You can find me at L Rose Hubbard on Twitter. And I'm going to be out for a couple of weeks. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Our, uh, but the show will be back next week. We're going to make it happen one way or another. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you uh, soon. Take care. See you. Sports all. Bye. Bye.